They say everyone has a story, and what a story this month my guest, Julene, has. She talks about her children's addiction, her cancer diagnosis, and more. Also, I take artistic license and play songs named Jolene instead of Julene, period. I hope you enjoy, and I know you will. So how many kids do you have? I have um, Jeff and I, my husband and I, we've been married for almost 35 years. We have two kids. We have um, a daughter that is 33 and a son that is 31. Okay. So I have a son that's 33 and a daughter that's 31. Okay. Reversed. Yeah. Of course, I got another one. I got another, I got a 29 year old. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any grandchildren? (laughs) We have a 13 year old. Well, he just turned 14. So he's our daughter's son. Um, She'll be 34 uh, this year. She had him when she was 19 and parenting just didn't work out. She um, had some issues with substance abuse and um, just she wasn't quite ready. So we took custody of Brayden, our grandchild, when he was, um, well, we've had him since birth, but we took custody when he was about 15 months old voluntarily. She handed him over to us and uh, we've been raising him ever since. So technically, Dennis, we have three children as well. <laughs> right. Okay. So you said in our discussion that you're an open book. Yes, I am. Okay. So let's start with your daughter. Okay. Your daughter's 33. Yep. And she has a 14 year old son. Yes. And and you've been watching him since, or you've had custody of him since birth. Yes. So okay. yeah, that's correct. So, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to do the math. So I haven't worked at Prudential for 11 years. Okay. So that would be 2009. Uh, yeah. He was born in 2009. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I don't mean this, in any uh to 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 be mean but i always when when you were at work i always thought you were sweet but i always noticed a little bit of sadness with you Mm -hmm. would that be appropriate to say oh yeah of course of course um yeah i would definitely say that my um my 31 year old son Um, has struggled with um, addiction since he was probably around 15 is when uh, he really started to, you know, he was a pothead basically. And then um, it progressively got a lot worse pretty quickly. So it was quite challenging. I mean, we had been, we, it was a lot of work basically. Um, We used all types of resources, you know, Montgomery County, we live in Montgomery County. Um, They have the ungovernable children's unit, Um, you know, so we've reached out to them. He went to counseling, he went to therapy, we did outpatient rehab. Um, we had a caseworker through the County. He had been incarcerated now that he's 31. He's been incarcerated at least 10 times, um, since he was about 16 or 17 years old and with drug use, um, you know, anyone that's an addict that becomes an addict, they do anything that they can or need to do 
to get their next fix. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and they learn how to manipulate and it's, it's tough as a parent, you know, or any, you could be, it could be your spouse. It could be a parent, you know, a relative or anything. I'm just talking from my own experience, having children um, that struggle with addiction, but having a child, there's such a fine line between helping them, like really helping them and enabling them. Right. And it's taken me a really long time to, you know, to learn the difference. So back in my prudential days, um, I was probably dealing with, with an awful lot as far as, you know, trying to manage him in his teen years. And then Brayden, our grandson was born when our son was 17. So mm-hmm. here we are still going through, you know, all this stuff with him and, and school was just, I mean, he dropped out of school. I mean, our son just really, you know, he was a great deal of work. He, he, you know. When did you start to notice with your daughter mm-hmm. that she had issues? Yeah. It wasn't until after our grandson was born, to be honest. Um, well, Maybe let me back up a little bit. So our daughter um, went to Temple University. She mm-hmm. was accepted there and went right after high school. And um, her first semester there, it was like party central. You know, she was out right. and she was partying and having a good time and had that real sense of freedom um, for the first time. So technically, I guess, looking back, hindsight, basically, she probably had some issues in college. (laughs) Because we had some requirements in order to pay for her education, you know, we required her to maintain a a 3.0, you know, GPA, and she thought that that was completely ridiculous. You know, to me, I'm like, that's a B average, you can (laughs) maintain a B average, right? Yeah, yeah. But she thought we were ridiculous um, for that. So we held to it, you know, after her first semester, she had a 131, you know, GPA, which Mm. was horrible. And, um, was just enjoying the freedom way too much. So we're like, you're coming home, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're coming back home. We're not paying for the next semester. You want to go to Monco or something like that? Well, you know what I mean? We'll, we'll sort you out there. Um, but I guess Dennis, that was probably when we should have realized that there was an issue, but we just thought, you know, first sense of freedom, you know, first taste. And then, um, within a year she was pregnant, you know, with Brayden, with her high school boyfriend. I mean, she had been with him, you know, throughout high school and beyond. And um, right after Brayden was born, there was just a a real disconnect there. Um, She really didn't bond with him, in my opinion. So I knew she was struggling a little bit with some postpartum, but then she seemed okay, you know, for the first like three, four months of his life, she got better, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like her and her boyfriend were fighting all the time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she didn't think it was right that he had, you know, more freedom than she had. And, you know, right. they were just constantly arguing. And as far as I was concerned, they were both living in our house. My husband and I, you right. know, you had four adults raising one baby. Yeah. <laughs> to me, I'm like, how stressful can that be? Yeah, right. And you have a 17 and you had a 17 year old. 17 year old. Yeah. You know, that I'm trying oh, to be Yeah. Then that would make sense why you weren't very happy then. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? under such stress and I'm sure your job was stressful. And then all this on top of it had to be, was it stressful in your marriage too at this point? 
Um, actually, surprisingly, we we stuck together. I mean, we didn't always see eye to eye as far as, you know, my husband's very strict where I'm not. Right. <laughs> I'm I'm more, you know, let's talk about it. Let's, you know, try to work it out. I'm more discussion and, you know, that yeah. where, where he's more draw, he draws the line a lot more quickly than than I do. Right. Um, but I mean, we were good, you know, our relationship, like we didn't struggle, like we were together in it. I mean, we supported one another, um, you know, throughout our kids going through this, we both agreed that, you know, when our daughter started to show some real signs of drug abuse, you know what I mean? When, Mm -hmm. you know, we stepped in, you know, and we were like, we can't continue to watch you go down this path. I mean, we've just been dealing with your brother, doing this for years and now to watch her start down that same path like to us logically we're like how could you even do this but she was a child still you know what i mean like (laughs) she's not going to see it as we adults see it you know what i mean she's going to be like you know whatever so um yeah she started to to head down that path and and she could um she was going to hurt the baby you know what i mean like just her condition Um, so we stepped in and, um, my husband and I, we agreed that we were going to raise, you know, raise Brayden and and take care of him, you know, as if he were our own, but knowing that who his parents are, I mean, he certainly knows who his, whose mom and dad are, you know, and he has a relationship with each of them, but they just never stepped up to the plate to be in a position to take care of him full time. How, how did that go over with your daughter and her boyfriend at the time? Um, well, they were, they were struggling with one another. Like they were, you know, pointing fingers at each other. They were arguing all the time. So they ended up splitting up, you know, and they both mutually agreed. They both willingly signed custody over to us. You know, neither one of them argued about it. I think, I think that they were sad about it, you know, because it was their baby. But at the same time, I think that they were happy that they didn't have that responsibility. Right. Did your daughter continue to live with you? No. Um, she lived with us until he was 15 months old. Um, and then, you know, I was, I couldn't watch her continue to go downhill. So I had a conversation with her. It wasn't an argument or anything like that. It was just straight up like, you, you have a couple choices here. You either have to go to ha- get help. Cause I think like the Horsham clinic, like there were, there were resources out there and we have very good in- health insurance. My husband is a government employee and um, his insurance is really great. So mm-hmm. she was covered, you know, under his insurance. And I'm like, you have great, we have great coverage, go get some help. You know, I'll help yeah. you let, you know, let's get you into a program. Let's get better for yourself and for your son. I can't watch another child go downhill like this. I just, I can't do it physically. I was like, I'm just not able to, especially my daughter. I mean, she was, you know, a great student, you know, prior to temple, but she was a great student, just had a lot of um, work ethics, you know, really good work ethic. Um, She was motivated. And then I don't know, everything just changed and she went downhill and, And I told her that I just couldn't continue to watch it, you know? So she said, okay. And she immediately went up to her room and packed her clothes and left that same day. And I was in complete shock because I really, I didn't expect that reaction. But I think part of it is she was looking for permission to just walk away. Right. You know? Did you, now you're with your son, it seems like he was having issues before your daughter did oh, yeah. right? yes okay. mm-hmm. so did you notice the same issues 
once you saw that in your son, was it easier to see the issues with your daughter and her drug yes. addiction? Yes, okay. of course. Of course. Yeah, it was. So with your son, when did he start to have issues? I want to say that he was um, an early teen, maybe 13, 14. You know, like I said, he was a pothead. And then it really became an issue when he was about 15. So just as he was um, in high school, um, we noticed like he was running away all the time. Um, he was getting in trouble with the law. I mean, he went to, you know, the juvenile detention center. He was arrested um, for drug possession. He had weapons, you know, possession um, with intent to, you know, drugs with intent to distribute. Um, but even prior to that, he really struggled in school. I mean, he just didn't care, you know, and mm -hmm. the teachers were like, he's not disruptive <laughs> in the right. class. He's just not doing anything. He's not doing his work. And, you know, we had him tested for ADHD, you know, early on, we right. you know, took him to counseling and he just was, he'd say what he needed to say right, to get by, but it didn't really matter to him, you know? And when he went, so to he was, he was charming. You would kind of like, yeah. he could kind of work his way out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was very um, manipulative and uh, yeah, definitely charming. Um, but yeah, the law, the, the legal part of it, you know, and that's when we discovered it was getting a lot worse, you know. Did he go from pot to other drugs? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he progressed. He went um, from, you know, smoking weed to um, to doing, um, they call them benzos, like Xanax and, um, oh, wow. you know, that kind of like Percocets and um, it just progressed. You know, it was the pills. Um, he talked about Molly's, um, yeah. you know, and then um, eventually, yes, in his adult life, um, he progressed to, to heroin and meth as well. So when I'm saying drug addiction, I really mean, I mean, drug addiction. Yeah. You know what I mean, I mean, like not just being a pothead while you're in high school and then outgrowing it. I mean, progression, like really serious. Um, he served time in, in federal prison. He was there for a couple of years, um, you know. Did he ever try to hurt you or your husband or your daughter or the, or your grandson? No, he never, and you know, hurt us physically. No, there were um, dealers that had showed up. You know, would had shown up at my doorstep one day um, when Braden, when our grandson was probably like almost three, and that scared that scared me quite a bit. I mean, I I knew things were bad, but when you have dealers showing up at your house because your son owes money. Um, you know, my husband came to the door with a weapon <laughs> and he's yeah, like, don't yeah. you ever show up on, you know, at my property again. And they never did. And they never did. Yeah. Wow. And this was like in the, like in the middle of the night or like evening, I'd say probably about eight, nine o'clock. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, yeah. So. And, and when he, started to get that way did you i mean did you kick him out of the house or he just went to juvenile uh, detention and, and that was it yeah he just left he was just never he i shouldn't say he was never home he was away more than he was home like he'd run away all the time we yeah. you know would call the police and have him brought back home and then immediately he'd run away again and he was staying with other friends um that were into the same type of you know things that he was into and the parents didn't 
I don't want to say didn't care, but it didn't feel at the time like they cared as much as we did because they allowed the behavior in their house. You know what I mean? So right. that was the hard part. It's like, not only you are you a parent trying to save your child from that <laughs> slippery slope, you know, of addiction, but then you have other parents that it just felt like some parents were just working against you. You know what I mean? That they weren't right. supportive and helpful. Yeah. And and it's not them. I'm not saying that it's it wasn't their issue, but it just it felt that way at that time. And right. my son, he knew where to go. You know, he knew the friends whose parents maybe were absent or that, you know, didn't care what they were doing in the basement, you know, all hours of the day or night. Um, where where was he getting this from school? Like, where were they getting it? In the area. In the, I wouldn't, I think connections were made through other people at the school, but they, I would say that they were adults, you know, outside of school. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when there's a will, there's a way, Dennis. You can probably get your hands on anything that you want. You know, you just have to start making the right connections. So I'm sure you spent a lot, uh, a lot of nights uh, crying into your pillow (laughs) over this, huh? Yeah, you could say that. Um, I was uh, severely depressed at one point in time, like um, to the point where I had a plan in place for. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Um, It was just that feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. And if you've if you've never been that depressed before, um, it's hard to articulate, you know, it's hard to explain that. Right. Um, but it's, it's a deep pain, you know, I mean, you're really, at least for me, I was really fighting for my child, you know, I was trying everything I possibly knew how to help him and, you know, getting him the help. And it just, it just didn't seem to matter. You know, did you have times where every time you heard a knock at the door, you thought uh, something bad happened to him or like you always thought the worst? Yeah. I thought for sure that, um, that we would get a death notification. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Did your husband know that you were depressed or did you hide it real well? Oh no, he knew, he knew we, I got help. Like when I reached that point where I was in my backyard and, you know, like I said, I had a plan. Um, I knew I needed help and I was like, I've got to do something. So, um, I did seek out help. So thankfully I didn't take that step. Right. Um, but yeah, but he knew, I mean, we talked a lot. I mean, he, he's definitely my best friend, you know what I mean? Right. And, and, right. and was there with me and, and knows the challenges. I mean, life has been hard, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it might look rosy and great on the outside and we've accomplished a lot in our lives, but you know, it's definitely been tough. Did, and this was all going down before your daughter's issues. Exactly. Yes. So mm-hmm. then when your daughter's issues arise, are you more equipped to handle it because of what you went through with your son? I would say, yeah, that we were. I think that um, we drew the line a lot more quickly. I drew, I drew the line a lot more quickly. Like I said, my husband was quick to draw the line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I was, I was harder on her because of what I had learned from my son, you know, because I didn't want to enable her. She became homeless. Like when she left with her, you know, six garbage bags packed of clothes, packed with clothes when she left when Brayden was 15 months old. um, I didn't know where she was going. I assumed a friend's house, but then within a couple months, she was homeless, you know, like living on the streets down, down in the suburbs of Philly, I, I believe. And she called my mother um, who lives in upstate New York to uh, take her in. 
And I begged my mother. I was so angry, you know, that my mom allowed it because I'm like, she has to hit like really yeah. hit rock bottom in order to, you know, start turning things around. And did she? Um, I would say that she progressively got worse. Um, she ended up marrying, um, I, I want to say a recovering heroin addict, you know, so it's like I had concerns about that. And I did talk to her, you know, about that, you know, like if one falls, if you're in a relationship, if two addicts are in a relationship together, right. yeah. one falls, you know, I'm thinking the other one's going to fall and, and it does happen and it has happened. Um, is she in a better place? It's, I don't know, to be honest with you, she does self, she says she self medicates at times. So uh, to me, that means that she, you know, still uses here and there. Um, so did she went from alcohol to drugs and then to kind of like what your son was doing? I would say she probably smoked weed as much as well but she wasn't what i consider a pothead i think she was a little you know what i mean she didn't do right. it as much as my son did right. um and then i think she tried pills with him and she, alcohol um more pills and then um progressed you know worse you know but yeah could you put your finger on why they became this way or i mean do you try to look back in hindsight, hindsight to, you know, your parenting, or I mean, do you try to, do you blame, you ever blame yourself or is that something that you've worked out? I think I, I used to in the past, you know, like, what are, what are we doing wrong? Like, you know, like how are, how can we, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like gain control of this. And Dennis, right. we were very involved parents. I mean, yeah. right up through high school. I mean, you know, like a lot of parents, I think, uh, I consider ourselves middle class um, or lower middle class even <laughs> Americans. But, um, you know, we we did all the sports. We, you know, participated. They did the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts. And you know what I mean? Like we were oh, yeah. very involved, um, you know, even with the college application process and, and all that. So I, I can't put my finger on anything specific. You know, the yeah. The reason why I say that is because a lot of people will say, not in your case, but you know, I, I, I did, I tried everything, I did everything, and and sometimes, like you said, as much as you do, it, it just it happens anywhere, and it does, and it doesn't matter where they live, yeah, where you live, how you live, it just happens, and and I and I know you, you're a good person, so I know you're a good parent, so it's just. It's a, it's a sad story to hear what you what you had to go through. Now, did anybody like did your bosses at work know what you were going through? Uh, or yes, yeah. Okay. So, like I said, you know, I was pretty open, you know, about it. And in fact, some of my friends, coworkers, um, also at Prudential at the time, you know, um, had children that struggled with addiction as well. Okay. Um, so, you know, you kind of seek each other out you know, for some sort of support. But um, my managers, you know, that I had had that shared my story with or what was going on, they were very supportive, you know, um, and, you know, helped, you know, with resources, you know, guiding the way or offering right. recommendations, suggestions, just being a listening ear, because sometimes that's all that's all a parent needs. It's right. just they just once you get it out, like I'm one of those people, like once I talk about it, 
then yeah. I get it straight. And then I can start working it through in my, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, get yeah, it yeah. out verbally and then I can start working through that process. So how is your, now you said that your grandson's relationship with his parents is good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Um, it's like going to that fun aunt or uncle's house. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, okay. it's fun. It's party time. Let's go to the amusement park <laughs> kind of thing. It's, you know, <laughs> are you ultra protective now of your grandson? Um, I wouldn't say that I, th with our grandson, his personality is definitely a lot different. Um, he is, you know, um, we're very involved with his life and have been, you know, throughout same type of thing. Um, we haven't changed anything with regard to like our parenting style or anything like that. Um, right. Brayden's just a very different child. He's a little bit more on the shy side. Um, he is a very strong student. I mean, even when COVID, you know, when we were going through all that, when kids were, you know, had to go virtual, he adjusted very easily. I mean, he's just such a, a, a nice, a good kid. And not to say that my kids weren't, right? but he's not as social. And it could be the, the time too, like the way the world is today. You know what I mean? When our kids right. were younger, they were like out socializing and out with their friends and, you know, so it almost seems like Braden's home a lot more, so can get into less trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I, yeah. I just think I just have a, a feeling that we we know more about what's going on in his life, you know. And maybe I'm just being naive. Maybe I don't. You know, maybe I'm making poor assumptions, but I don't see any signs of of that with him. Not yet, anyways. <laughs> Do you think that? Because I, I've spoken to people who are alcoholics and they say it's a disease. Mm -hmm. Is that something do you think that just happened or do you think it's um, environmental, like the air, like the, the people that they were hanging around with that caused it? I kind of think it's it's a combination of the two, Dennis. I think that initially I do think I do believe it's a choice, right? I mean, it starts out as a choice, in my opinion. That's just me, right? I don't know. <laughs> right. But I think you start, you choose to participate in drinking or doing drugs or whatever. And then maybe, you know, based on your genetic makeup, you know what I mean? Right. Like right. they say that people, some people have an addictive personality, you know, that they can't control themselves. I can see that with my son. You know, um, mm -hmm. my daughter, not so much. So it's a little more surprising to me that she went down that same path. I, I think that that's why I keep saying that, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. I saw with him, I could tell, I could, you know, he just, he was going to do what he wanted to do. It didn't, you know what I mean? Like that was just the type of kid he was Right. where she had more respect and, you know, for authority and she was more driven you know what i mean like yeah. she cared about that so her she, it was more surprising with her for sure what is your relationship with the two of them now right now they both live in um outside of denver colorado my son and his partner um they moved there last fall and then okay. he begged my son begged my daughter and her husband to join them um you know to move out there as well so my daughter, Caitlin and her, and her husband, they moved out there in, in this past February. Um, I do have to say, I love them. They're my children. Of course I do, but I can tell you it's a lot less stressful not having them living close by. Why is that? 
I can't, I don't know what they're doing. I can't see what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I think I get right. more involved when it's in my face. You know what I mean? It's harder to, um, you know, deal with or cope with. I, I want the best for them. You know, I right. don't want them to be addicts. I certainly want them to be successful contributing, <laughs> right. you know, members of society. Um, Do they, are they like, what are their jobs? My, um, my son and his partner, um, they do a lot with cars. They do a lot with body work. Um, okay. You know, they, they started in detailing. And my my son's partner, it, my son is gay. He okay. came out um, when he was about 21, 22 years old. And his partner is older than me. So his partner is like about 60 years old. What are you, like 50? <laughs> I'm <laughs> no. <laughs> a little older than that, but um, yeah, you know, I have a son-in-law now that's older than me. Oh my and, goodness! Uh, so, you know, he's very structured, and I think he gives my son um, more of that structure that he needs. You know what I mean? Right. And, right. You know, he's definitely a good influence. You know, in my son's life, um, my son uses or takes Suboxone, which okay. I don't. You know, I don't know. If I don't right. know, I don't know how I feel about that. Like I have mixed feelings about it to me. I'm like, you know, it's still a drug. Like, can you help, can you help him get completely yeah. off? But it, it is what it is. It's acceptable, you know, whatever. Um, but, but they are getting a business of their own, you know, launching one out there and it sounds like it's pretty promising. So I'm, I'm, I hope for the best with them. Right. Right. My daughter is, um, you know, going to be 34 soon. And she's a door dasher, you know? Okay. Um, I want more for her. I, you know, she's, she's worth more than what she's become kind of thing. You know what right. I mean? Like, I just yeah. think she's more valuable and, and I don't know. I don't want to say that I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm happy that she's healthy. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I just want to see her stands on her own two feet. And her husband is like, uh, works not specifically for Amazon as a delivery person, but one of the companies that's contracted. So he does that, that type of work. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that she would have kids again. Um, she's tried and it hasn't been successful for her. And okay. it definitely she's very upset about that. Right. Um, but you know, I'm sure being out in Denver gives them a new lease on life. Hopefully that'll, you know, straighten them up a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And they do. And she does have a, you know, a, a good relationship with her son. Like I said, it's, it's more like when he's with, you know, his mom, my daughter, or even his dad, it's like, Ooh, fun time. You know what I mean? Right. We get to do all this right. fun stuff. And he, our grandson is actually visiting them as we speak. So he's out in Colorado with them until um, June 28th. Have you ever been out to Denver, Colorado? I have not. We used to live in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. My husband was in the military. Oh. So we were okay. stationed out. In... Where, where are you originally? Are you from this area? No, I'm from upstate New York. Okay. Because I just, I, I sense a little bit of an accent. That's why I, a <laughs> little bit of an accent. Where in upstate New York? Uh, Utica, Rome area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Stay tuned for the remainder of the interview. Okay. And when did you move down to this area? Um, well, we moved to South Dakota in 94, 1994. And then we we came here in 1997 to Glenside. So we've been here for a little, a little bit. My husband's from Glenside, Pennsylvania. Okay. Okay. 
So, so you go to the Keswick a lot? Uh, back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> So my husband, when you say back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, <laughs> in the late 90s, so, early 2000s. So when did you start to feel that something was wrong with you mm-hmm. talking about you now? Oh, sure. Um, so, so it's, it's a, a bit of a story and um, it's kind of funny looking back at it, but um, so a, th- almost three years ago. Um, so it was July of like 2020. I was vacuuming our pool. So we have an above ground pool. I'm vacuuming it. And then I I have this, like, it felt like I was stung in the index Mm. finger of my left hand, like at the first joint, it felt like a zinger. So I'm like, ow. So I pulled my hand back and I look and there's no sign of a bug. There's no sign of a bite or anything like that. So I'm like, but it really caught my attention because it hurt, you know, I'm like, what the heck is going on? And there was no reason for it. And then uh, within a a few days, that whole area became purple on the crease of my finger. It was purple and then it was cold to the touch. So I called my primary care doctor and I was like, hey, I was like, this happened. And, you know, I've got this purple area on my index finger and I said, it's cold to the touch. And he advised me to go to the emergency room. He said, it could be a blood clot. You know, you need to go. Mm, that's like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking I got bit by something, you know? So I go to the yeah. emergency room and this is like, I don't know, August, early August. So we're and this is during to- COVID too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I go to the emergency room and I'm like, you know, explain the story, show her my finger or whatever. And she's just like, yeah, it's not a blood clot. She said, but I'm not sure what it is. So we're going to treat you for, um, a blood infection, like cellulitis or something. So she goes, I'm going to give you this antibiotic for 10 days. And you could tell she wasn't convinced yeah. <laughs> that that's yeah, what it right. was. Yeah. So she's like, take the antibiotic. If you still have a problem in a couple of weeks, you need to see an orthopedic specialist because it could be a nerve condition. The fact that it's cold to the touch, like she even touched it and she's like, yeah, it's cold. Oh, that's weird. Uh, so I know this is a crazy story. So I don't want to drag it on forever, but I go from her. You could continue as long as you want. (laughs) Two weeks later, I call an orthopedic specialist because it's, my finger is not any better. And the antibiotic did absolutely nothing. I get in with the orthopedic specialist and, you know, I'm talking to him and he said, oh, we need to send you for nerve testing. And to your point during COVID, you can't Mm -hmm. get in for like a month. (laughs) Takes forever. So um, he sends me for nerve testing and then schedules a follow-up appointment back with him for October. So it's like this long period of time. It takes three weeks to get in to get this nerve test done. And then another two weeks to see, you know, the orthopedic specialist again to figure out like what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, now the tip of my finger is c- completely white. It <laughs> It's turning white. And it feels like it's frostbitten, like it's frozen. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I called the orthopedic back and I said, hey, I know we don't have an appointment for another couple of weeks, but my fingertip is completely white and it's, yeah. you know, feels like it's frostbitten. And he's like, well, I don't have the nerve test back yet. He said, but, you know, let's keep the follow-up appointment. He said it could be something called Raynaud's. Yeah, my daughter has that. Yep. Does she? Okay, yep. that's what he's thinking it is. Yeah. So he's like, just hold off. You're okay. Let's see what happens here. And then we'll talk about next steps. So I'm like, all right. So I see him in October and he looks at it and he's like, yeah, I think it's Raynaud's. Nothing came back with the nerve testing. Everything else seems fine. You need to see a rheumatologist. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you know this path. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh gosh. So I go to the rheumatologist. Now the year is just going on, right? So it's months, right. you know, are going on or whatever. So now I'm seeing this rheumatologist and it's like November, December timeframe. And um, the rheumatologist, she does a complete, you know, a, a CBC, a complete blood count, you know, with differential. So she could see, you know, get all the details. And she's yeah. looking for any indication of like rheumatoid arthritis or an autoimmune, you know, issue. Yeah. So she said, let's do the blood work and I'll see you back next week. So we follow up. So I go in and she's like, yep, you're fine. There's no oh, you know, room. There's no RA. Um, I don't yeah. see any indication of an autoimmune situation. And she said, and it's not Raynaud's because it's only one finger with mm-hmm. Raynaud's. I guess it's either multiple fingers, toes, right, et cetera. So she said, she's not convinced that that's what it is, but she said it could be a blood disorder. So she said, let's, do a referral for a hematologist. So now you're on to how many doctors now? So <laughs> like far? four or five. It just, four? Okay. Like, it just goes down the line. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's passing me on. Right. So I go to the hematologist and she sends, you know, the blood work that she took. She sends the results to her as well. And and I see the hematologist and she said, okay, here's the plan. Your white count is elevated, but slightly. It's not, you know, horrible. She said, mm-hmm. but I want to monitor it. And there are five different types of white um, blood cells and there are, I don't want to bore you, but there are five different types of white blood cells. Okay. So basically when they do a, um, a CB, a complete blood count with differential, what they do is they're looking at the number of each of those different types of white blood cells in your counts, you know, like they're narrowing right. it down to the type. Right. So she's sending me and she goes, we're going to send you every two weeks for the next two months. You're going to go have blood work. And she said, and then you're going to come back, you know, like February or whatever. And we're going to, you know, February, March, and then we're going to like see where we are. So I'm like, all right. So I go for a blood test in January. Then two weeks later, mid-January, I go again. And then the end of January, I'm going again. Well, in the meantime, I have a mammogram, my annual, and I'm very vigilant about going for my mammograms and all that. My mom lost her life to breast cancer um, just after she turned 59. So I'm serious about it. You know what I mean? It's important. So I go for my mammo and they find abnormal, you know, that I have an abnormal result. And so my gynecologist, they said, contact the gynecologist and uh, do an, we need to have an ultrasound done, but we need a script. So I'm like, all right. So we get the script for the ultrasound. They do the ultrasound. And the doctor then also comes in. So I'm like, well, this isn't good. <laughs> right? so yeah, yeah. I have an ultrasound and not only is the tech there, but then she's like, you have to wait. And then the doctor comes right. in, you know, the radiologist or whatever. And uh, she looks at my, my uh, ultrasound and she said, yeah, there's uh, bilateral your lymph nodes are swollen bilaterally, you know, under your armpits, the right. axillary area. So she said, you need to call your gynecologist and see what she wants to do next. And I'm like, okay. And of course I'm a little stressed out because my mom lost her life to breast cancer. Sure. Absolutely. I'm a little stressed. And so I contact the gynecologist and she, you know, hooks me up with breast care specialist. Awesome. Incredible. He's like, so great. So hooks me up with that. And in the meantime, the hematologist calls me back her office. And they, she said, yeah, we've been monitoring your blood work and we need to send you for um, something called, um, I didn't understand what she was saying at the time, but she, they sent me for something called a, a flow cytometry and I didn't know what it was and I didn't pay it much mind. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And they're like, it's just blood work, go to quest, have your blood drawn and, you know, 
and we'll, we'll call you back. And I'm like, all right. right. So I'm going to see the breast care specialist. I already had this flow cytometry test done and I'm in with him and, you know, he's looking at my, my scans and he's looking at the ultrasound and, you know, all the MRI results and all this. Yeah. He pulled my chart from forever in a day just to look at the, you know, if there was any sign of progression, right. he pulls up the information and he said, Oh, he said, you know, have you had breast cancer before? And I was like, no, I never have. And he said, well, traditionally, if you've had breast cancer before and you have bilaterals, you know, lymph node swelling, you know, that's something that could be normal, you know, if okay. you've had breast cancer, but since you haven't had it, it's probably not breast cancer It's probably something else is going on. So when he pulled up my medical records, you know, on the computer, he said, Oh, he said, I see here that you're being, you're, you're seeing a hematologist and she's testing you for lymphoma and leukemia. Mm -hmm. And it really caught me off guard, Dennis, because I had no idea that that's what they never saying. said that. No, they never said that. No. They were testing for it. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like, go for this test. And I'm like, all right, another blood test. I've been going like, a pin cushion for weeks on end seeing all these different doctors. And I'm like, all right. And uh, my husband was sitting outside in the car because COVID, right. He couldn't yeah. go in with me. So I come out to the car, I sit in the car and he's on the phone with his sister. Their dad had passed away that January and oh, now it's oh. the middle of February. Okay. Jeez, yeah. So he's on the phone with his sister. They're talking about estate stuff and, you yeah. know, arrangements and just all, all family stuff. And it's very stressful for them because it was unexpected. Okay. So, so he just lost his dad. So I'm in the car and I'm waiting for him to get off the phone. And as soon as he hangs up and I don't know what it is with some married couples, it's like, as soon as you tell your husband something or your wife something, you know, at least for me, I fall apart. So as soon as sure. I start yeah, to say it comes it, real, yeah. it comes real. So I'm telling yeah. him, I was like, I don't have breast cancer apparently, but I'm being tested for lymphoma or leukemia. And I start right. to cry for a whole 10 seconds. And then oh. I pull it together because, you know, you suck it in and you're like, all right, now we got to deal with this. And uh, so I started to just do a ton of research. You know, I started to pull my labs from Quest and I started to dig online and my husband's mad and he's like, stop doing Dr. Google, you know. <laughs> Dr. Google. Dr. Google. But so I you jumped, it's almost like, you know, I got some good news. I don't have breast cancer, <laughs> but the bad news, you know what I mean? Like, right. and, and if you had never gone, like, do you ever think back if you had never gone for that mammogram? Yeah. Like, that's so weird. I know. I that's know. an incredible story. So now you, you find out that you either have leukemia or lymphoma, mm -hmm. lymphoma. Okay. So I don't know. What's the next step? Oh my gosh. So of course the, the hematologist, she calls me, you know, shortly thereafter. And she said, you know, to come in basically. So I knew it wasn't great news, but that's yeah. when she said that um, we believe it's chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And she said, we need to send you for more tests. They call it a fish test. It's a, um, FISH is just the acronym. It's um, fluorescent in situ hybridization. Okay. And it basically, like in my words, it basically helps them determine at the, the DNA level, you know what I mean? Okay. At that, yeah. that level, the chromosome level, mm -hmm. like, the exact type of cancer that you have, basically, so that right. they can determine the prognosis. Like how aggressive is it? You know, like what's the treatment plan? Like that test is, you know, supposed to be pretty good as far as, you know, down, getting down and dirty at that level. Okay. 
So they sent me for that test and I don't know, the lab can't get it right. So I had that fish test done three different times over the course of three weeks and I was not happy. <laughs> Is it painful? No, it's just a blood test. Okay. But the fact that you're going to the hospital sure. and the hospital lab can't get the test, you know, and you're like, oh my yeah. God, you're talking about my prognosis, you know, what? Right. <laughs> like I have cancer, you're telling me. Yeah. I don't know exactly what type. I don't know how aggressive it is. I don't know where we stand and you can't get the darn test right. I was not happy. So um, I went into the doctor's office because, you know, I wasn't getting the resolution I wanted and I am very polite, but very upset. And I told them, you know, that they may not care <laughs> about yeah. this test, but I do, you know, sure. and it's important. So finally they, they figured out what the issue was and were able to take the blood test again. And you're talking, it's like almost three grand every oh time they do this test, you know, it's a lot of money. Was your insurance covering it? Then? Yes. Yes. Oh, they thank were. God. But they don't want to keep covering it. You know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like why? Times. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For no reason. Right. So, um, so they were able to determine, um, the type that I have, um, and the type that I have is, um, it's called a deletion of the 13 Q 14. And what that is, it's a chromosomal abnormality that occurs when there's something missing, mm -hmm. you know, a part of the chromosome. Okay. Um, or even the entire, they call it the long arm of chromosome 13. So they got it down to that level. Um, so the prognosis for that particular type is actually pretty good. So I'm stage zero. They have zero through four are the okay. stages for um, CLL. And I'm progressing into stage one <laughs> because um, stage zero is just, I have too many lymphocytes in, in my blood. Um, okay. And the lymphocytes are the, those white blood cells. Um, and I, I'm going to use my own words. They're basically defective. Okay. So they, um, the blood, those blood cells, <clears throat> they grow in the bone marrow. Okay. It's a cancerous B cell, um, a lymphocyte. They have B cells and T cells. So it's a cancerous B cell. That's where I have the issue and grows um, and multiplies in the bone marrow, lymph nodes, liver, and spleen is where it you know, builds up and they're defective. So they're not able to fight infection or anything like that. And what they end up doing is they, they're in, they crowd out all the healthy cells, you mm -hmm. know, which is where the issue, where it becomes an issue. And because it's a blood cancer, it's not like they can remove a tumor or, right. you know what I mean? A specific part. And because mine is slow growing, progressing, <clears throat> it's chronic. Um, they won't do treatment right away because the chemo or radiation, and I know that, you know, people that have been through that, that mm -hmm. those treatments or even a targeted therapy type treatment, you know, the side effects could be worse than the symptoms that you're currently experiencing. So there is no cure um, for this condition. However, I feel good. You know what I mean? I feel good. Yeah. Um, I'm still healthy. Um, and when they're just going to continue to watch me and we'll wait. And when I am sick and my numbers, you know, my blood counts or my scans are crazy <laughs> indicating a problem, you know, then I think we'll, we'll look at treatment at that point in time. 
So there's nothing they're doing for you now. They're just, it's just monitoring it. Monitoring it. Every three months I go down to Penn Medicine in Philadelphia and they have an excellent team. Um, I did not stay with my hematologist. That was local. Um, she was just a general, and I shouldn't say just, she was a general hematologist. You know what I mean? General oh, I hematology. Mean, yeah. I sought out someone that specialized in my type of cancer. You know That's what I mean? Smart. That's very smart. Because you want someone that knows it, that understands it, that knows what treatments are out there. Correct. You know, they've got they've got all the goods. <laughs> with your with your with your finger, is it still just isolated to that finger, or did it go on to your other extremities or you know, is it just isolated there still? It's just isolated there. And to be honest, they never result. They never figured out what the problem is. <laughs> oh, so they still don't know what's wrong with your finger? They still think don't it's related? Still don't know what's wrong with the finger. I mean, that's kind of like what what's hilarious about the whole thing. So I started you off. You went from a bad finger to thinking leukemia. you have breast cancer to having leukemia. <laughs> exactly. Jeez. Oh man. Oh man. So, so yeah, it's just isolated. You're right though. It is isolated to that finger. The occurrence the occurrences have um, slowed down quite a bit. Like it happens occasionally, but it's nothing like what it was. Do you think if that had never occurred mm -hmm. and you weren't as on top of your health with your mother's breast cancer and, and getting a mammogram, what would have happened if you had never, I mean, like probably nothing, right? Cause yeah, it, it hasn't yeah. really. Yeah, it has it because I'm not, I haven't become, you know, physically ill. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like we're monitoring. Right. I have some nodules in my left lung and the lower on my right lung, the lower quadrant looks like there's some sort of infection that's been there for a couple of years now. Um, so they monitor that. I wouldn't have had that scan, you know, had we not yeah. <laughs> gone down this path because they right. wanted a baseline scan, you know, to see like my liver, my spleen, my lymph nodes. They wanted to, you know, have something to, you know, for going forward. Um, but yeah, if, if I never went for those tests on us, I would probably, I wouldn't know anything and I would still be just as how I am today. <laughs> but I mean, now at least you know that if like you're not feeling right, you know why you're not. Whereas before, if you had never gotten it checked out, you'd have no reason to know what was wrong with you. Right? Exactly. Like, exactly. But sometimes now, like uh, last September, I started to feel really ill. Like I was sick for a good five months. And when yeah. I mean really ill, I was like fatigue, like true fatigue. Like um, I knew something was wrong. You know, right. um, I was exhausted. My grandson said, you know, grandma is like, you just look like you're so stressed out. And I'm like, I'm not stressed at all. <laughs> but I just you could I was wearing how I was feeling like you could see it, you know, and my right. husband was just like, you know, you need to you need to go to the doctor, you need to push this because something's wrong. You know what I mean? And yeah, I went to the doctor and you know, did it's like they couldn't really find anything. And um, come to find out, um, my annual gynecology appointment, which I didn't even think it had anything to do with that at all. Um, I had um, uh, endometrial hyper hyperplasia, okay. which was causing anemia. And um, so my iron was was low. And um, that was the reason for my, my fatigue. And uh, I started, I had to have some female things. I had a DNC. I don't yeah. know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> I had a DNC and then um, ended up having a total hysterectomy earlier oh this God. year. Um, just because. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So <laughs> this is after your diagnosis. Yes. 
from leukemia and then you started to feel and this last September and then the beginning of this year. Yes. Oh yeah. my God, Julie, Jesus. I just felt awful, Dennis, but I feel so much better now. <laughs> like, yeah, I just but I mean, so the stuff that you have gone through is just, yeah. my God, anything else you want to tell me? I, mean, I, I just, I, um, I think I have a good sense of humor. You know what I mean? I think mean? you do. Yeah. I mean, we uh, bounce, you know, pretty, pretty I mean, you good. have to, right? I mean, <laughs> if not, so, so you're, how old were you when your mother passed? I was, um, it was 12 years ago. So look at, I have to do the math. So I was like 44 maybe. Okay. And, and was that? 41 I was, I'm sorry. I was 41. That's okay. So that was, that had to be difficult. Yeah, that, that was really tough. Um, my mom struggled for probably almost six years. Like it was like, she never went into remission. You know what I mean? It was like, mm -hmm. she, you know, they diagnosed her. Um, they did a lump back, they did, you know, lumpectomy mm -hmm. and they did chemo radiation. Then they ended up doing a double mastectomy radiation, another chemo. Um, and for six years, like it, it was just like, it's just the treatment never seemed to end with her. Um, she was ready to go though. I mean, she was young, but she just, when it met, it metastasized to her brain and she just lost all freedom, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And she was yeah. young to not be able to drive anymore to, you know, have her kids bathing her and you know what I mean? Like it was really hard for her. Um, so she was ready to go and, and I was okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, are you an only child? Are you an only child? I'm, no, I have three younger sisters. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So there are four of us. So well, while that's going on with your mother, you got all this going on with your children. Mm -hmm. Jeez. Oh man. Oh man. It's life. I told you life has been hard. Yeah, well, yeah, some lives are hard. Yours is extremely hard. Uh, how did your husband handle all of this? I mean, he seems like a, 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 a silent, strong type. Yeah, he did really well. Um, but to be honest, um, after his father passed away, you know, January, a couple of years ago in January, and then a few months later, his wife has leukemia. Sure. Yeah. He didn't, we didn't understand what we know. We didn't know then what we know now. We've learned a great deal about it that I'm okay. You know what I mean? Right. Um, he had, I think he finally reached a breaking point. I think with our kids, you know, raising a grandchild, you know, with the problems with our kids and then raising a grandchild, losing his dad, and then his wife having, you know, cancer. Um, I think he lost it because um, he left me in May um, right after like a month after my diagnosis, like my yeah. a month or two. It was the only thing he could move out of his pile <laughs> that he had right. control over. Um, obviously, we're together. You know what I mean? So right. it was a temporary thing because everybody was like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Even yeah. I was like, what are, what's happening? Like, we don't, we haven't had any issues. And all of a sudden this is what breaks it. But yeah. you know, Dennis, a person can only take so much. You Absolutely. Know? And then they reached their breaking point and he did, he reached it. Um, but then took a couple weeks and, you know, came to his senses. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> he came back and was like, okay, I don't know what I was doing, but you know, we've worked through a lot of things. He's had a great deal of stress um, in his life, obviously. Right. Um, have your, do your uh, sisters have any health issues or is this just um, you? My youngest sister um, had kidney cancer. She had a tumor removed from her kidney. Um, bef 
before my mom passed away. So I want to say like 14 years ago. Um, but she's okay. I mean, she didn't have to have chemo or radiation or anything, but she does right. take medication. Um, and then one of my other sisters had endometriosis. So she had a hysterectomy, you know, right. that kind of thing. And she has the, um, genetic, um, Oh, I don't know the words, but she carries the gene for, um, or the gene mutation for colorectal cancer. Oh get the genetic testing done, you know, yeah. so they monitor her pretty closely. Um, yeah. Just from talking to you, I mean, I, I knew you at work, but I didn't know you obviously this well, but I just got to say you are very strong. And where, where do you think you get that strength from that quiet inner strength? Life. I just think experiences. My mom was, um, was a single mom, Dennis. I was the oldest of four girls and my mom was 17 when I was born. So I think I just had to step up, you know, when I was younger, I had to be an adult at a very young age, you know, it was just required. Um, so you think you've always been mature beyond your years? Yeah. I think that it was necessity. It was more of a matter of necessity than anything else. Do I want to be mature and responsible? No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> did, you, did you have problems when you were a teenager or did you? I walk, I honest to God, like, I'm not even kidding you. I didn't smoke. <laughs> like I didn't do drugs. I did drink a little bit when I was 17. Like I have to admit right. that I did do some parties and stuff, but no, I was too afraid to do anything. You know, I helped my sisters with their homework. Like I was, yeah. I do you think that was a fear of letting your mother down because she depended on you. I, I would say letting my sisters down. Oh, okay. They really looked up to you. Yeah. Like you much older than them. Um, we're all three years apart. So, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I just, they needed, they needed, <laughs> they needed an adult in their life. And I love my mom. I mean, she did the best she could, but she was just a kid having kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. she did need the help, but I think I mainly did it for them, you know, pulled, pulled it together and had to be responsible. Do you think, I mean, going back to when you said you were in a very bad place and I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think up until that point, you were strong, strong, strong. You had to deal with, you know, your, uh, your mother, her, your sisters, your mother's diagnosis, your going through what you want with your children, your grandson. Do you think you reached a boiling point at that moment? Yeah, I think I definitely did. I reached a point. It was my breaking point. And I, you know, I dropped to my knees and I, I know a lot of people say that, you know, they turn to God or whatever. And, and that's exactly what I did. I think that that saved my life. Um, Were you a religious person before that? I, I had faith, but I wasn't regularly practicing. Let's put it that way. So, I mean, right. I believed, but I just, you know, and then it was shortly after that, that my husband and I went to the end of our driveway and he's like, right or left. <laughs> So we took a left in the first church we came to. That's where we ended up, you know what I mean? Like staying. Right. I just, I needed, I needed to know, I needed something more to lean on. You know, I was wearing the people out around me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think in, in a way, I mean, uh, if you would never let that out of you, you'd still be holding on to that. Like you needed to let go of all that, that you had been through in your life, that stress, you know, having to be the, the responsible one. Right. And yep. it was almost like to that point where you're like, I've done everything here. Like, what more do I have to go through or do? 
And I think you kind of accepted all of it in a way. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. They, my, are my kids are adults and, you know, and as parents, we can only do so much, Dennis. I mean, we right. did instill good morals and values into them and what right. they do with them. I mean, it comes a point where it's like, they've got to make that decision. Right. You know, so I think that that's a big part of it. You know, I did finally come to that. It took a long time, but I was right. finally like, you know what? I'm just enabling their behavior. You know, they have to stand on their own two feet. And right. I was tougher on my daughter. I, I, I was, I was tougher on her just because of everything we've been through with my son. Right. You know? Well, and I think you, ex it seems like you expected more. I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you think buying the house in Mystic Island was your way of saying to your children and, and to yourself and your husband, like, you know, we've all, we've done all we can. Now we got to, about ourselves yeah we have and that's a it's very that's perfect because i just said that to him a couple weeks ago you know i was like we have to start looking out for ourselves and taking care of ourselves you know yeah and um and doing something fun for us i mean dennis when this is all said and done i've been a, a parent to a child under the age of 18 for 36 years straight i've been yeah. a parent yeah. you know it's like i want to I want to be done. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame And I think that's a tough decision to make. I mean, even with me, my kids are, one is close to me, the other are over two hours away. So mm -hmm. it's, it's tough, but you're right. You have to take a step back and realize that my kids are adults. Yeah. And, and you've done the best you can and you got to be about you. Yeah. And, um, and, and it seems to me that you've always been about others, not yourself. And now you are about you. Yeah. I'm getting there. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, if I would have known all the stuff that I was talking to you about, I probably would have allotted two hours for you. But oh, I'm sorry. No, I am joking. I'm joking with you. <laughs> I have an extremely sarcastic humor and I always get myself in trouble because oh, I'm, no, you're I'm fine. serious. Um, but no, I mean, I, I've, I, you know, I've seen your, your stuff on Facebook. And when I was thinking of inter interviewing somebody, I thought that you would be somebody that would be good to talk to because... I mean, I, I knew about your condition, but I didn't know any of these other things. And it, it just, um, getting back to what I said in the beginning, I mean, now it makes sense why you seem like you were sad yeah. when you were at work. A lot yeah. of responsibility. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and on top of that, you had your job. Yeah. And I'm sure that was stressful. And, you know, you were training people and, you know, idiots like me. So that's oh, no. going to be stressful for you. <laughs> no. no, actually, that was the fun part. That was the fun part, to be honest. I didn't mind doing that. No, but I, you know, I, I, I'm really proud of you. I just, you know, what you've gone through and how strong you are and uh, the responsibilities that you've had to deal with in your life. And, and, you know, that's all behind you now, hopefully, and you can enjoy the, yep. the fruits of your labor, so to speak. That will be a good thing. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jolene. You're welcome. I, I wish your name was Jolene because then it'd be easier to find music for the podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can do whatever you want. You can no, call me whatever you want. <laughs> no, I, I know. All right, well, you take care. And it was great talking to you. Thank you, Dennis. Have a good one. Thank you. Right, you too. Take care. Right. Bye. Bye. Bought myself a hard pack of cigarettes in the early morning rain. Lately, my hands, they don't feel like mine. My eyes been stung with dust and blinds. Held you in my arms one time. Lost
Get out my blue jeans. 